Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. I don't know what episode we're on. This is episode 173, I think. Now it's 105. 105? 105. 105. Do you want to start over clean or we just roll with that? Yeah. Roll? All right. This is the uh, the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. <clears throat> I'm always on the edge of my seat because I'm like, is he going to say doctor? No, I'm a, I, only, doctor? I only give it to you occasionally. <laughs> only when the guest warrants it. <laughs> only yeah. when the only when it's necessary. Requests. I got to pull out my PhD piece and put it on the table. It does sound like. Yeah, so it sounds just like that. <laughs> sounds just like that. Well, <laughs> um. It's been exciting end of the year for Bitcoin, and I can't say that I called it because I didn't, but I did say that there would be price fluctuations in the positive manner towards the end of the year. Oh, um, just wait. Just wait until next year. January? Oh, my God. Oh, we can talk about that if you want. That's something we can get into. I was, I was talking with oh, some yeah. friends about some things, and I have – we can talk about it later. Let's, let's, let's pay some bills. Why don't we pay some bills? Yeah, we got bills to pay. Oh, I thought we were going to do the uh, surprise, you know, ads? surprise ads. Surprise ads? Surprise. Let's right. throw some surprise on these pabs. Like oh. The all so right, cool. do we let's... all agree with uh, Vinny? What's his name? LinkedIn. Vinny Testaverde. No, the guy who said if it goes to 800, it's going to go straight to 900. I, I do don't not. Want that. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see a reason for that. I don't see. Yeah. I have been checking. Like, D, did you, have you been looking at the charts lately? I haven't been looking at the charts, but I do know we're kind of in uncharted waters. You see what I did there? Uh, Look, because the reason I say that is because the last time Bitcoin went up to like 1,300, 1,200, 1,300 in there, in there, it was fake. Everybody knows it was fake. It was Mark Carpulli's and his dumb fish face and his willy bot and all that stupid stuff that, uh, Made the price go up, and then wait. Let me Google him. He has a fish face. What's his you name? You know, Carpeles, Mark Carpeles, K A R P E L E S. I think how you spell it. Is that right, Corey? Yeah, that's super wrong. That would be a. Wait, did you say K? That's yeah. Not important. He does. He does have a fish face. He does have a fish <laughs> face. It's very fish. He looks like one of those guys that goes and eats at um, uh, Krusty Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking those fish that eat it. They're like, they got the, anyways. Well, so 
Bitcoin realistically hasn't seen prices this high organically. So this is new stuff. This is all so good. you feel so you feel like the current price movement is actually backed by a reason. So and it's legitimate price movement as opposed to I do. That's, I think that's it directly fear mongered. I think it directly correlates with the global volume. When you, if you go over to coindance.com, I think is what it is. Or maybe it's like coin.dance or something like that. But just Google CoinDance and look at all the global volume charts. They're all moving in the right direction, baby. It is coin.dance. Coin.dance? Yeah, so I was talking with some friends and we talked about um, what's going to happen in January when the New Year starts. Uh-oh. And how you have um, like capital flight restrictions in China. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something like uh, there are regulations that only $50,000 – per person per year can leave the like the, the, the Chinese government like the, like the Chinese like state so you only like take money out of the economy that much per year per person and people just have a ton of money queued up for January 1st and there's an, a lot of artificial barriers in which traditional means of taking that money out won't be available so Bitcoin is the only way that people can actually take that money out as early as they can. Mm. And so I like we were talking about there could potentially be a very large price increase early mm. in 2017 because people are going to just take that opportunity to take all of that money and dump it out of the economy because of all of the financial issues that are happening in China. And since they are somewhat of a hoarding culture, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, it, there's a lot of things that point to people doing that, which, which just then in turns points to a large price rise in bitcoin because that's millions of people doing this type of thing and that's still a drop in the bucket in terms of the actual chinese economy so we're not talking about everyone in china doing this we're talking about a small percentage of china doing this which still correlates to a very large amount of people doing it in the bitcoin community yeah a small percentage in china is a large percentage is percentage overall i mean not that's bad that's bad math a small percentage in China <laughs> is a very large amount of things when it comes especially to especially when it when it comes to the size of Bitcoin. And some, we'll do some table table math here. Uh, I think there's more Indians than Chinese. Oh, for sure, but Indians aren't nearly as invested in Bitcoin as as as, as Chinese are. Yep, Santa is black. There's that, more black the, people than anyone else. All right, that's a weird transition. <laughs> I wish the audience could see you guys' faces right now when I just said that. Corey, I think I just derailed everything you were trying to say. What? Jesus, Jesus is black. Jesus is black. So is Santa Claus. <laughs> Anyways, I don't even know what the fuck we were just talking about now because he has faces. But So if there's capital flight coming out of China and people are like, holy shit, I've got to get my money out of uh, sorry, I gotta get my money out of China. They're gonna be trying to get it out in droves, right? It's like fifty thousand dollars. That, oh, that's a that's quite a lot, right? Yeah, fifty k. Say twenty thousand. They they put a percentage of that money. Mm-hmm. Twenty thousand, even ten thousand. Ten thousand times a million. It's ten million dollars jumping right into Bitcoin. Sorry, 
No, that's way off. We are drunk or something tonight. Our math <laughs> I've been is drinking. horrible. I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, what we're trying to say is that... 10 to the um, 4. 4 times 10 to the 6. That's 10 to the 10. 10 it, billion. Yes. Being pushed into Bitcoin. 10 to In the 9 a few is a months. billion. It's a, 10 to the 10 would be 10 billion. Oh, okay. All right. Look, so... Shell, are you doing okay over there? It's weird that that's and that's saying that twenty percent, like twenty percent of the possible capital flight amount of China can push pushes their money into Bitcoin because they need to get their money out of the Chinese yuan, yuan, win, mm-hmm. yen, whatever it is. Does it even matter? That's a ton of money just being pumped into Bitcoin. Granted, that's still a rough, ridiculously rough estimate. That's still assuming that a million people are going to do that, which is somewhat of an outrageous estimation. But yeah. Even if you take a percentage of that, that's still a lot of money relative to Bitcoin. What's the what's the percentage of uh, Bitcoin Network's holdings that is just substantial hoard? You mean anywhere? the people that aren't spending and just holding? Ninety five percent of the people who own Bitcoin. Yeah, oh, that's, a big, that's big. Yeah, I, I think that I've I've been fascinated lately reading about the history of money and things, and Bitcoin is starting a lot like that. And as it should, I mean, it's a damn currency after all. And it's going to be weird if Bitcoin actually does fulfill that prophetic thing that that everybody wants it to fulfill. Yeah, well, that's, what's that you've been talking about the history of money, right? Like how, you know, what could be the next evolution of a non-tangible digital currency? I feel like this is the end of the road. Bitcoin. You know Oh, you're thinking beyond Bitcoin. Like, what's after Bitcoin? Well, if you're looking at the history of money and how we've gotten to the to the dollar, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a logical way that we've progressed to where we are now. But I don't think we. I think this is it. Like, this is. All right, I'll say that the underlying technology. I hate to say it, blockchain is it in terms of money, and whether it's going to be Bitcoin. Or something else I don't know but this implementation of how we use money is going to be the next step in how humans transfer value from one person to another I just don't know what the name of it's going to be I'm hoping it's Bitcoin because that's where a good portion of my investment is where um what but, do you think it would be called I don't know I mean who, who knows it's Make- it's it's still kind of up in the air 10 million, 12 million, or 12 billion. What's the current market cap right now? It's like 12.88. I think that's what it was when I looked this morning. Or is it 12.08? I'm looking right now. Corn, corn market cap says it's 12.6 billion. 12.6. That's $789 per Bitcoin, right? So that's yeah. nothing. $12 billion is, is, is chump change to the national debt or real banks. How much money a bank works with? So it's this really cool niche idea that we've come up with. It's got a lot of utility and does a lot of cool stuff. But at the end of the day, the market cap is nothing compared to what it can be and what it plans to be in the future. Well said. So, and that 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 means because it's so small, it has a lot of potential to be taken over. Or replaced by something else that blows up. I just can't wait till we open up our shop 
and we start selling t-shirts to all you awesome listeners that want a t-shirt and then you try and pay us in dollars and we say your money is no good here no like we'll take that money episode we'll one yeah I'll, I'll i'll sell right out you can you guys, pay us whenever you want can i at least say it <laughs> your money is no good here that was my favorite part of the movie everything else was terrible George Lucas, you make terrible Star Wars movies. We're Anyways. not getting into that, so Cello doesn't... Yeah, he's going to spoil... Look at his face. He wants to spoil it. I'm looking yeah, at him right let's now. Not, let's not go <laughs> into that, so Cello doesn't spoil Rogue One for everyone. I, t- I, take, I take no joy in ruining movies for people. is <laughs> no good, yeah? Hey, Cello, uh, I see you're wearing a hat. What hat is that? Uh, that is the official Bitcoin podcast hat. Mm. And Man, it is like the most comfortable hat I've ever worn in my life it looks pretty comfy you're just rocking it in your crib so I want one of because those it's hats. like super comfortable how much is one of those hats going to cost I mean super cheap depending on the price of bitcoin that's the beauty of it $25 <laughs> no I'm thinking uh, yeah way cheaper <laughs> than any hat that you could get in a retail store yeah if you go to lids yeah, go to Lids and you look at the rack and they're like, God, that's an expensive-ass hat. Or I could just get a Bitcoin podcast hat and not pay that much. And it'd be just as comfortable and just as stylish. Knitted. You know what you can do, though? What's up? I think the best way to get this hat, though, is by using escrowbybits.com. What is that? Uh, you never heard of escrowbybits.com? First-time <laughs> listener? No. Oh. What is that? Yeah. Let me tell you about it. It's super easy, and it only takes three steps. And it's the holidays, man. So you don't want to you don't want to go to the mall. You don't want to do that. All you gotta do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. I will send you this hat or any other item that you want, and mm-hmm. the buyer will check the goods, which would be you, and releases the funds. That's how easy it is. And uh, I'm only gonna charge you uh, a flat fee of one percent. So one percent of what this ten dollar hat? That's like what ten cents. Forget about it. Alright, we can move on. We can move on. So there was something that was said today, Corey, and it made me think of you instantaneously, right? No. So there's no no good Bitcoiner in Bitcoin Landia goes a day without looking on the Bitcoin Reddit forums. I believe that in my heart. Like, even when I talk shit about the forums, like, I'll go on and I'm like, oh, this forum sucks today. I hate these people. Big blocks, small blocks, dumb bitches. I'm Which still one, on the forums. Both of them. I go to both of them. It's like, it's like such a behavioral thing now that I just go to it. And so, I was reading this quote. It's at the top of the page right now. It says, frankly... The fact that such a diverse group of individuals can debate and discuss numerous technical options before working together to come to consensus is a far superior outcome for those who traditionally have no input into the decisions of the monetary authorities. That is a run-on, but I thought of you because I was like, man, I do get upset a lot that Bitcoin moves slow, but this is a fucking phenomenal thing that's going on. Yeah. I agree. It is it is it is ridiculously phenomenal um, to think about what's what's going on. But 
I just thought I'd throw it out there. So audience, what was the listen- last time you thought anything was ridiculously phenomenal? What was the last time you described something that way as ridiculously phenomenal? Ooh. Dreamcast, maybe. It that's a, it's a it had to be Halo One actually. <laughs> the only reason I bought an Xbox, I mean, let's be serious. That was the most hideous looking video game system of all time. A giant black X with a green neon dot. I was like, that oh, looks no. fucking it was, retarded. It was pretty sexy when it came out. I'm like, it was? You thought it was sexy? sexy? I thought it was sexy. I thought it looked so dumb. But I like big I brick it. consoles that weigh eight pounds. You know, it looks sturdy. It, it, it didn't feel cheap like an N64. <laughs> you can hurt somebody with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If someone's breaking your house and you hit it with an Xbox, good night. Yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> do you do... Do you, like say something like in a street fighter game like when you throw the xbox do you go like xbox throw attack or something you... get x'd get <laughs> get x <X'd>. game over um yeah well i feel like I'll wrap it back up to where I started. The end of the year is doing really good things for the Bitcoin price. Now, I know there's a lot of you guys listening and a lot of you guys that don't listen in the community to our show, but a lot of people say, oh, the price is not important. I know Andreas being one of them, but the people that got in so early that they're rich as fuck, I tend to ignore them when they say the price is not important. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah, of course the price is not important. Is that a Maserati? Yeah. I'll have two? Maybe, but like, he's probably not that rich, but the price is important because every single time I'm that loud in my little social circles that every time the Bitcoin price starts creeping up, I get nice little Facebook messages and Twitter messages from old friends like, Hey, I saw Bitcoin. I looked at a chart real quick. That's crazy. How do I get some? And so what I mean by that is every single time the price goes up. You get more and more people interested in it. And that's what we call an adoption curve. I don't know, man. I think you get people interested in getting rich, not interested in what it could do to better society. Well, I mean, that's that, let's, let's, let's be honest here. Marcello got into this because we convinced him that he was going to get rich. Mm-hmm. And now, that's not why he's in it now, but that's the reason he spent a lot of time looking Hell. into it. That shit, that's, that's a big reason why I got into it. That's so the reason why realize. I got into it. Like, it was like, whoa, this is some crazy I, future. I don't money. think it's the right reason to get is into that it. Aired? In 2016, yeah. Dude, get her to spit something on the mic. No, she's she's walking away. She walked away. Okay. Um, what are you saying, Cello? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I think that was the right reason to get into it when we got into it. But 2016, 2017, that's a, that's a moot reason to get into it. I, I believe you're wrong. And the reason I say I believe you're wrong is because Bitcoin is so phenomenally, ridiculously small. Are you, are you running for president? Yes. It's going to be huge. Huge. I have all the words. I have the best words. That's what I do. I make great cryptocurrencies. That's what I do. What I, I do. make the best cryptocurrencies. I got, I got a lot of friends. I talk to them all the time. Yeah. Great guys. I'm smarter than them too, but they're my friends and they're smart, and uh, they have the best ideas. The when best it comes to crypto. 
anyways, um, it's so small. $12.6 billion, I believe there's at least, I don't know, probably like a thousand people on the planet right now that could shit that out and not give a fuck and flush it down the toilet. Like, really wouldn't give a fuck. They just wouldn't care. Right? Psych. Mm. $12 billion is a lot of money. Mm. I'm talking about countries and the amount of money that flows around. Okay. $12 billion is not a lot. We're dealing with trillions. I think we're hitting quadrillions soon. So. I'll say I'll say yes. In terms of state yeah. economies, $12 billion is nothing. In terms yeah. of what money banks deal with, larger yeah. banks deal with, it's nothing. It's nothing. I hope... All you really smart economists out there love our armchair economics and finance. $12 billion is ain't shit. All right. So imagine all these markets that Bitcoin slowly starts to consume and show value and add value to. Okay. So all of a sudden, $12 billion um, becomes $120 billion, right? But in quadrillions of money, it's not that much. You know, so... Hell, let's just say it goes, Cello. Let's say it goes from twelve billion to twenty-four billion. Yeah, which is still a very fucking small amount. Well, this seven hundred and seventy-dollar Bitcoin now goes up to what? What is that, Corey? Fifteen, twenty, Almost something 1500, like that. Fifteen hundred. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. Double the evaluation. Double the market cap with yeah. the same issuance will give you just double the price of a per Bitcoin. So. Given the fact that Bitcoin is so terribly small as a as a market cap, as it starts consuming other markets, I mean, shit, the price isn't gonna. By the time Bitcoin is used as a currency, that's when it's no longer time to get into it, and that's when those people are just too late. It's like you missed the boat. Sorry, man. Well, I, I see. I see the price being a a directly proportional to the amount of people using it or like the use case, the amount it is being used, right? And we are hitting an artificial barrier with how much we can use the network. There's literally people trying to get, like wait, essentially waiting in line to use Bitcoin that can't because we've made this one megabyte artificial limit. Mm-hmm. Transactions are trying to get in the pool and that turns people off for one. So the people who are waiting in line Finally, so they ah fuck it and they walk away. And there's a lot of people who are saying, "I would like to use it, but there's this long line. I'm not gonna. Why? Why would I do that right now? I'll just continue doing what I'm doing." It's 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 holding it in a place that limits its growth, and something needs to happen. Uh, I know these like things are being worked on. You have Segwit, which allows for night lighting networks and a lot of other types of things, and then like this kind of intrinsic increase of amount of transactions that can be fit into a single a single block and then you have another hard fork proposals of people you know increasing just the size of a block which allows more transactions but until that happens mm-hmm. you're not going to see any type of price movement outside of spe- pure speculation yep i agree which is that. which is going to come from like people putting large amounts of money in terms of storage of value for speculation purposes Mm-hmm. There's because the usability of Bitcoin is stagnant. It's only like so like you have to take that use case off the table until we improve the functionality. Do you think that 
we could get Russia to hack the Bitcoin community and make SegWit happen. I don't know. We have to talk to Trump about that. Yeah. It's going to be huge. Huge. So what do you think, man? I know lately Uh, you're you're like, "Eh, Bitcoin kind of makes me feel like I'm staring at a chalkboard with nothing on it. I like blockchain a lot more. I work working with blockchain now officially, so I have no choice. No choice with what? But to dig deeper. What do you What do you want to dig deep into, though? Like, what's what? what really where know. do you think it's going? What's What's the What's the point? Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to Google that. I actually don't know what IBM is do trying to do with uh, the blockchain. Uh, don't say that. By the way. Uh, Congratulations! Oh yeah, thank you, man. Congrats on your on your brand new job with IBM. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Brand spanking new. So now Corey works in blockchain. Cello also works in blockchain. I just don't know so what we're doing yet. Sixty-six percent of the people that host the show are working in the industry that we for have the man. For the man. For the man. <laughs> we work for the man. Working for the man. Um. I don't know. What I do know is blockchain is fascinating, and that's why we brought Ujo Music on the show today. In fact, one person has called this interview inspiring. That's how good it is. It was a great, fun interview. It was a great conversation, period. mm -hmm. I don't get to do many interviews as of late, and I got in on this one, and I just had a great time. Um, This idea is something I've been fascinated with, the idea of being able to invest in an artist not like a fucking Kickstarter, right? Everybody threw a little money at Lil Dicky, right? I threw $5 at Lil Dicky. I thought his raps were nice. But what if that $5 actually is an investment in Lil Dicky? And then in like 10 years, when he becomes a famous rapper, that $5 is now worth like $50. Cool. My money grew. You get what I'm saying. It's an investment. So Well, there's there's three main avenues for music distribution you got mainstream channels like radio tv you have digital service providers spotify and then you have direct channels like soundcloud but with the mainstream channels you run into two issues you have accessibility and you have payments and in order to get access you you typically need to go through one of the big three record labels sony warner universal and then if you want to get paid you have to join one of the three programming right organizations and they're regulated and they're controlled and it can take up to two years for the artist to see their payments and they have absolutely no insight into what is happening in the meantime. So basically it's only for the Beyonce's of the world. If you're a little guy, good luck. That's why Chance the Rapper had to do it on his own. I am Chance the Rapper. I rap like this all the time. <laughs> hey, do you guys listen to Chance? Great. Acid Rap was great. Coloring Books. Oh. Yeah, Coloring Book was a great album. Corey, do you listen to Chance the Rapper? Nope. Oh, you're missing out, dude. Wait, Mind I just me? said Coloring Books sucked, and you said, yeah, it was a great album. Wait, wait, wait. You <laughs> said Coloring Books sucked? I didn't Compared hear that. Acid Rap? Acid Rap was a classic. Coloring Books sucked. You've lost your damn mind. You're losing it. You know what? I can't even fucking think anymore. Here's Ujo. Here's Jesse from Ujo Music. All right. Jeez, man. Here it is. Well, 
Jesse, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. I was really excited about this interview uh, because I first uh, caught wind of you guys in an interview that I did with Joseph Lubin over on Block Channel. Um, and he discussed what Ujo is all about. And I was like, man, I had to get those guys on the show. So if you could just kind of give you know our audience a small introduction and and what Ujo music is all about. And then we'll we'll dive deeper into it. Absolutely. So we started Ujo Music about uh, in about May of 2015. Um, it started as a, a concept, basically, just with the, the concept that everyone sort of has right now in the blockchain world. You know, what can blockchain do for for this industry, right? Um, and so we we started out uh, kind of just, you know, talking about it, basically being like we can do so many different things because the music industry is so old. Right. It is it is so old. A lot of the laws are outdated. You know, we have we're talking about we still use the, the terms that are that were created in the 1900s. Right. So you're talking about mechanical royalties. You're actually talking about player piano roles. So. We're still using those terminologies today to talk about digital files. Um, and so we saw this kind of as an opportunity to really bring in some new technology, bring in some technology that could be really fluid um, and kind of utilize that, like the blockchain technology to kind of help re not like just basically re-push the music industry back to a, a digital world where everything kind of moves fluidly. Um, so... Uh, we put out a thought piece last summer, um, as, and it was called the problem.wtf. And that was to kind of just drum up people's interest, right? Drum up the talk, uh, see if anyone was talking about it, see if, you know, we were the only craziest people on the block. Um, and we found that uh, we weren't, actually. Um, you know, other people were having these similar ideas, and it seemed that blockchain could enable a lot of the innovation that the music industry desired. So um, at that point, it was kind of mid-summer, I suppose, um, and Imogen Heap reached out to a friend of hers who was also a colleague of ours. Um, they put us in touch, and we started working towards building a proof of concept for Imogen, um, really to show what was possible what's like what blockchain can do and how we can basically take a music industry that's hundreds of year old uh, or greater and you know make it fit for the 21st century make it fluid make payments instant make granting rights instant um and so we came out with this this prototype in october of last year um and so that's probably what a lot of people have seen that's where a lot of the interest in the the kind of knowledge of the of Ujo comes from is, is the prototype we released with Imogen last year. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's kind of where we are, where, you know, the story probably starts, I suppose. Yeah, we actually <laughs> interviewed Imogen uh, back then and discussed like what she was doing with Tiny Human and, and her release and what she's trying to, to, to get at with doing this along with some of the problems that were associated with kind of the traditional infrastructure of how artists get paid and the lack of transparency, the lack of payout, the like the the, the giant middleman problem that is the music industry. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean and, um go ahead. Oh sorry you're cut, now you're cutting out a little bit. Sorry, I thought you were finished. No, go ahead. 
Um, well, I was going to say, yeah, there, there's a giant middleman problem in the music industry, not only because, you know, um, you know, like any industry, it's kind of grown and evolved over the years, but as things have gone digital, it's kind of created more of a need for intermediaries because there's such a lack of understanding of what's actually going on with the technology kind of at the very base level. So, um, yeah, basically, the, like with music, there there's such you know every step, every time there's been a new innovation, it's kind of added in a new layer of middlemen to the to the world. So, do you think like cutting out middlemen is great for everyone but the middlemen? <laughs> you know, so do you feel like you're going to get a lot of pushback from the way things current. I mean, things have been kind of set in stone in the music industry for a while. And even back when I was a young type and Napster came around and kind of shook up the music industry's feathers, you know, they didn't like it too much. They had to call in reinforcements from Metallica, I think. <laughs> so, uh, you know, are you guys worried that you're going to create this system that empowers artists to the point where the music industry, you know, there's just going to be a bunch of butthurt P. Diddy's walking <laughs> around and, you know, trying to fight you guys on this. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, you know, reason to believe there'll be pushback. Um, like you said, this, the music industry has been set in stone for a real long time. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's finding the right, areas to to really fit in um and to because you know at the end of the day and something we realized after we put out the the original proof of concept was we kind of oversimplified a lot of things um in the music industry you know imogen is incredibly fortunate uh she has you know years of experience behind her um she understands what it takes to put out music kind of every step of the way you know she's not a first-time artist she's not even, you know, one of the artists that she's a very involved artist, right? Um, so she kind of knows all the pieces on the way. So for her to release something like independently, it's, it's really easy. But, um, for a lot of the smaller artists, for a lot of the different musicians kind of not quite at her level, um, they don't know all the steps it takes to get there. So I don't know that it, I think with middlemen, I think they're just going to have to shift a little bit. It's, you know, I think a lot of them still can retain their jobs and retain what they're doing because it's a lot of it's really important. Um, you know, like people that kind of work together to help craft sounds or uh, to put over, to, to mix and record and, you know, the sound engineers, you know, these are all important pieces of the puzzle. Um, so how do we kind of integrate them into this, this new world of music Um without kind of excluding them and, and pretending like their their complete existence is unimportant almost. <laughs> I may be nerding out, but are you borging them? Like it sounds like you're Star Trek borging them like your resistance is futile. You you're gonna <laughs> need to assimilate. Like I mean I think that's <laughs> the way the world's going a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that, that's what it sounds I mean it's it's definitely the way to get things done. And it's the way to um you know, if you've got a better system, then 
Well, at the, you know, at the very least, you're, you're providing transparency where there is none. So when people are getting screwed, they can figure out that they're getting screwed, whereas right now they may not be able to even figure out that. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, right now people are blaming Spotify. They're blaming Apple Music. They're blaming all of these services that aren't really the problem because they don't truly understand or even, you know, where the actual issues lie. It's, it's, I mean, they've created these giant black boxes for a reason. Um, you know, it's the piece of companies that's kind of how they did their work for the last hundred years. You know, they, it's funny. They even, they, when they're talking about it, they even call it like the exploitation of works, right? Yeah. Um, you know, no one's kind of really joking themselves, uh, in terms of like what's actually occurring here. You know, how do you value music, right? What's music valued at? Um, these are really interesting questions that I don't even have answers to, but, um, you know, I think we should start letting the markets figure those out and start allowing artists that aren't backed by these major corporations to, to really put their music out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, one of the things that I think I found really interesting about Ujo is the idea that you can like from what i understand that's that's why i wanted you to ha- have you on the show to get clear clarity to this is um you can actually kind of like invest in an artist right because it's it's a blockchain so you so clear correct me if i'm wrong but you can like purchase or or, or if you if you really enjoy an artist you could say all right well i'm going to buy a bunch of their you know coins or a bunch of their whatever entity it is that they've built up on the ethereum blockchain and you can actually directly support an artist and their success in turn becomes your like investment am i right about your success right i mean yeah yeah you know it's it's this I, i mean i love that concept too right the concept of just being able to invest in what you believe in um and then also kind of working with not like necessarily with that artist but like together like parallel to the artist to really help build their career um because their success is your success and you know i think that's something that's something that blockchains enable um really well and you know we've seen that from these um equity and coin sales and kind of that kind of thing um in terms of like companies, but you know, how do we go down to artists? And this is something actually that another one of another company in the blockchain music space is focusing a lot of attention to uh, immediately, uh, and that's PeerTrack. Um, and so, you know, I mean, all of these these really cool ideas are are awesome, uh, but the kind of infrastructure, right, the pipes that would allow all of these different models and incentives and um technology to really occur uh like the pipes that they would flow through are still not there yet you know like if you were to do that and you know put music out on ujo how would you get on the radio right that's it's something that is so controlled by the existing industry that if you tried to kind of go around them they would almost block you off yeah that was a question that i actually had about how i mean like it's a it's it's this I wouldn't say chicken or the egg problem, but in order to have a successful music platform, you need musicians. And once you have musicians, you need people to listen to those 
Like they, you need to come through your platform to get that content. Like with, with Tiny Human and Imogen Heap, I think, I'm not sure if she only released that inform- that, that, that track or album through y'all's platform so that if you wanted to listen to it, you had to go through there. But like in the future, people have many, many sources in which they can release their, their content. How do you, how do you incentivize people to go through your content, which, which grows the brand, if you will? Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that was kind of something we started to look at after we released the tiny human, uh, proof of concept, because we were like, you know, well, all right, we did this for one song. Now, if we wanted, are we Spotify? Are we, you know, what are we, what are we trying to build here? Um, because there's a lot of pieces, like like we were saying, there's a lot yeah, of pieces. In it's the a lot of infrastructure. A lot of, absolutely. Um, and to shift that is not going to be uh, like a small feat by any means. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, our, our, our idea, our concept is to help build out this infrastructure, um, you know, however we can, right? And so if that means that right now we're focused on artistic identity and content management. Because to us, if you're going to start on a platform like this, that's a very foundational building block that you kind of need, right? Um, and then, you know, we have been in discussions with a lot of existing music industries uh, players to really re-digitize their catalogs, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. To kind of put them onto a system that would allow the use of smart contracts that would allow, you know, instant accounting or, you know, really reduce those administrative burdens um, in the music industry that take three months, that take six months, that take two years even to get these artists paid. I mean, I I think that's, that's the same, that's the same, I guess, problems that the, the financial part of blockchain is having problems with too. I mean, trying to port, an entrenched infrastructure that's somewhat archaic to something as new and modern as a blockchain is not only difficult, but also very time consuming. And you're going to get a lot of pushback. Like people are going to be like, why would I do that when this is working, regardless of whether or not it's, it's, it's built on this system that was made in the sixties or seventies. Absolutely. Um, no, I was going to say, you know, that's the thing with blockchains, right? Everyone wants to be second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Everybody wants to be Facebook and not MySpace. Exactly. You know, it's there. They don't. They, if they took the jump and kind of, there would be immediate benefits, even internally. You know, I know some of these companies. I had a friend working for a, uh, a music label this past summer, and he spent. He said he spent the entire summer trying to untangle the internal payments uh, for the artists and figure out where the money went inside the company. <laughs> That's the same thing with like a like a bank wire transfer. If you want to make that same financial argument, it's like yeah. you sometimes lose track of where the money actually is when you wire money from one bank to another. They, it's like it takes so long because sometimes they actually lose where the money is. And it's the same situation with with like how people get paid in in uh, the music industry. Whenever you have these giant black boxes, and only a few people understand how the mechanics of that black box works. If something gets lost, you're, you're screwed. It t- takes a long time to untangle that mess. Absolutely. We could call that like, what do we call that? The office space? Not office. Is that movie called office space? The, the office? The No, not the show, but the movie <laughs> where, where yeah, the consultants come in 
Yeah, and they don't they like they just take fractions of a penny off of all the transactions. Yeah. So no one could find out, but then they end up taking out like three pennies per transaction, and yeah, they yeah. almost get sent to. That's what I feel like. Could there that potential is there for situations like that? There could be that one guy who's like, I'm just gonna start shaving off, shaving off money because nobody knows how this shit works but me. So yeah, and that's that kind of what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's kind of exact. Pretty right, not nailed it on the head there. So we need to find those three dudes and send them to federal pound me in the ass prison. Is that what needs to happen? <laughs> <laughs> so they're cool. I mean, yeah. It it seems like this is so these are so so lofty so lofty of goals. And that's I felt that way since I got into crypto, Bitcoin, then crypto, now blockchain or, or whatever the mood takes it, but still kinda makes sense. Um, is that sometimes the goals are so lofty when you talk to people, you know, your average person, they're like like you said, Corey, they're like, I don't uh I don't see why we need to do that because everything that I'm currently doing is just fine for me. And um, it, it kind of like goes to, you got to have the mentality when you're doing things like Ujo music is doing. Um, you got to have like the, the Elon Musk mentality of, I'm just going to build something that's so damn good. It makes the current system. It makes it foolish not to want to jump to what I'm building. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like a, a tout of motivation to you guys for 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 doing what you're doing because it's a lofty <laughs> goal. Um, trust me, because um, I don't know if you remember like Obama's first term, but P Diddy is a powerful man, and he got out in the streets and he had T-shirts, and I'm pretty sure somebody got beat up by one of his bodyguards. Vote or die. And so, yeah, vote or die. <laughs> like that's 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 one hell of a statement. So if you go, if you guys anger him and his empire, then you know it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're trying to die, but yeah. Like... <laughs> don't get up P Diddy's radar. Yeah, he'll, he'll come for you. No, what I'm saying is just a motivational talent. No, I, I get what you're saying totally, and I I agree, right? You know, it's and that's kind of why I think a lot of what Udo tries to define is sort of undefined right in a way it's like you know we don't want to narrow ourselves into a corner we don't want to pick a a method that'll eventually have to become centralized because the infrastructure to decentralize it just isn't there um so in a way we we kind of have to shoot for these lofty goals you know getting to mars or or whatever it is in order to really build the best products that exist and we hope to kind of do it even like Elon Musk did, right? You know, build an awesome fucking product, uh, release that, and then open source it so that other people can kind of build on this infrastructure and we can all move in the decentralized world kind of together. Because um, this isn't anything that's going to kind of be a single person job. You know, Ujo Music is not single-handedly going to change the music industry. Um, it's going to be you know, the effort of, I think a lot of companies in this space and a lot of the existing companies that are out there to really say, you know, we want to change because we think it's going to be better for the future. And we think that, you know, we can get, we can grow the pie of music royalties, uh, even larger, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause at the end of the day, 
someone's always going to want to buy, you know, a Michael Jackson album. Um, I, I think, right. I mean, that would be, you know, Hell yeah, right. So like these, <laughs> these things are still going to want to be purchased even 30 years from now. And in 30 years, if you have to go down to the store and buy a vinyl, cause you know, the company that owns, uh, Michael Jackson's records never went digital. You know, I don't think you're going to really be in a good place. Um, <laughs> trying to yeah. find, you know, a CD player or something in, in the year 2050. Um, so it's kind of, you know, and they're never going to give up those, those records, right? I mean, Michael Jackson's estate, I believe, just sold to Sony last year for $750 million. So like, you know, these are not small sums of money. These are not small companies that, that own these recordings. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to shoot high, uh, in order to kind of have everyone really understand, you know, what, what's going on here. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we're at the point in the world right now where I think people want to see change, right? And they don't know how to get it, but, uh, (laughs) they want it, right? They want change. I think it's kind of become obvious that like, I mean, throughout time, I mean, even growing up, I never thought I'd be into this, but like, although necessary, infrastructure is really, really boring. And what's going on right now is with, especially with like the, the blockchain movement is people are rebuilding infrastructure. And for once it's like people are now starting to realize that old infrastructure doesn't work very well. And this is a new way of doing it, but still it's really fucking boring, right? Like no one wants to care about infrastructure, although that it's completely necessary to everything that they do. It's like, how did, like, how does Ujo make that, make that personal like description of what they're trying to do? Do they, do they tout themselves as being the platform and the infrastructure that's necessary to build a new music industry? Or do they, do they like, you have a sexy pitch, like your elevator pitch of like what you're doing and why it's important to the average everyday end user who doesn't give a shit about infrastructure. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And, you know, I, I'd say, <laughs> depending on who we're talking to, the elevator pitch kind of changes yeah, all the time, Yeah, <laughs> you know, as is blockchain. And I, I think that's the whole industry. That's where we're at right now with the industry. And, it does kind of suck and it's definitely not the most sexy kind of thing to be doing is, is building out these infrastructure pieces, but they are becoming really necessary. And I think, I think we're starting to see the beginnings of it. You know, I mean, what Bitcoin's at like an all time high right now, right? Of like the last two years or something. Yeah, it's doing fairly well. I know I'm happy about it. It'll be a good Christmas for my niece. That's for sure. <laughs> um, right. You know, so I mean, look at India. India's, Getting rid of cash and everyone's turning to Bitcoin. It's like crazy. In Australia, yeah. South China. Hell. Right. And, it, you know, did uh, did you ever think this would be where we were like a year ago? No. For sure not. No, exactly. not at all. Like even even so, Andreas has recently talked about, like, he was wrong about all of his predictions about Bitcoin because essentially the world took over and, the, you know, the reality of events has changed and shaped the way people use Bitcoin and what they will use Bitcoin for. So, a lot of the things that we previously thought were the point of all of this are taking a back seat to what the you know the the world economic theater is, is telling us what we're going to use bitcoin for and the same thing will happen with the underlying like the underlying technology of blockchain or whatever is built on top of that mm-hmm. yeah totally i mean we we completely agree on that aspect of things you know it's how Every do we in- go ahead go ahead no 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 sorry go ahead 
I was just going to say that every industry has to have that guy who makes infrastructure sexy. Like, there, he has to be out there. You know what I mean? Taking it to, like, literal infrastructure, like, for society, there's one guy out there that's like, yeah, this bridge is going to be so hot. Like, this bank, look at this curve right here. It's no. so many cars are going to be able to fit around this curve. It's the artists that and create the thing, move. and then the engineers that try and turn the artist's rendition into an actual reality. Somebody so saying, I make... want this to happen. And then engineers going, uh, we can find a way to make something like that happen. And that's what you're seeing. It's like, well, I, I don't, I don't want to pay a middleman to, to, to get my music. I want to know that I can get music whenever I want, stream it whenever I want, and understand that the money goes straight to the artist. And then all everyone around that person just goes, shit, that's really hard to do. I guess we'll start working on ways of doing something like that. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Now we got it. I mean, Elon Musk, look at, do anyone think solar panels would be sexy? Right? Look yeah. at those yeah. new <laughs> roofs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking nice. Those that's are true. like gorgeous. I mean, like, those, I those roofs. I yeah, them. I do too. Who doesn't, right? The Tesla, another example of like a gorgeous piece of now infrastructure, right? I mean, those mm-hmm. his, his uh, patents are all open source. So nice. I would I would have be that. I wish that were my job, just to go to like really difficult cells and 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 just ask engineers like, "This is all great, guys. Tough work. Good job." <laughs> but did you ask yourself how sexy is this? And just watch them just kind of squirm a little bit. Like, I don't know. We didn't ask that question. Is it sexy? Is it not? Like, are people, are people going to like it? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there needs to be that guy. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I, maybe we're it, seeing that in the world now, right? I feel yeah. like bridges and, and, like, public infrastructure is getting sexy again. When, like, the 70s <laughs> and 80s and shit, it was also boring and utilitarian, right? Yeah, like I think there was a video a couple of years back of the people making the solar roads and it got kind of viral and roads that were smart and programmable and you could do all of these things because it was like this last layer on top of the road. And I was like, man, that's a sexy ass road. I actually kind of want to work on that road project. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Corey, I know infrastructure is what we're building and we're in that phase right now, but somebody's got to make it sexy, damn well, it. Well, I, I 100% agree with you. I think that's it's, <laughs> it's an important part of this, especially as – so like I mean, I've, we've discussed this on the show of like how – like a, a, a key part of – or a different way of looking at what blockchains do is like a tokenization of a network protocol, right? So you can almost invest in – a network protocol and as that protocol gains grounds people use it and it has a usability you you then reap the benefits of previously investing in it and in order to do that in order to get people to invest in your project or your network protocol you need to make it sexy and so we're finding that there's an economic incentive to being able to sell what you're doing as well as have it work really 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 well for the first time because you can openly trade the token associated with what your network protocol does or what your blockchain does. Mm. We're, getting, we're getting deep today on the show. Making <laughs> sexy is going to be the title of the show. <laughs> yeah, making it sexy. 
Yeah, right. That's not a bad new slogan for Ujo as well. Making music administration uh, <laughs> sexy. Make it sexy again. Uh, but that's I like. Go ahead. They don't even know, right? That these artists don't understand any of the administration of of this stuff because it's not sexy. It's not, you know, becoming the next Beyonce. It's not becoming the next Rolling Stones, right? Anymore. It it used to be more so, right? It used to be, you know, they knew every step of the way what had to get done. You know, like when the Stones are putting in albums, they would be sitting with their engineers, right? And now you just have kids in bedrooms shipping tracks to a major label and they go, all right, well, you have to wait six months for us to release it. And they're like, what the hell, man? Like, I want my songs out tomorrow. Like, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I could do it on YouTube. They, I could do it on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And they're like, well, well, there's so much more work that has to go into like putting out this single than your decently mixed track or whatever it is. My high school loved it, though. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta put it out there, man. No, uh, I, it's it's definitely that 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 um, you know, it's 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 fun to see when that change starts to take place, though, and what can actually happen to the industry as a whole. Um, I, I'm relating that to. I don't know if you're a fan of NFL, um, but. Uh, the NFL used to be kind of in the same position where the athletes would go in and they're like, yeah, I made it. Like, I'm in the NFL now. I'm getting crazy money. This is cool. I've reached my dream. But they wouldn't really pay attention to the behind-the-scenes things. And slowly but surely, it started about in the late 80s to now. Athletes understand the business before they even go in the draft. you know. And so having athletes that are that educated in what goes on behind the scenes with the business of the NFL has led to now we have this league that is highly competitive across the board. Like you never know what team's going to win the Super Bowl year to year. You can kind of guess like, I guess the Patriots will probably be good. You know, maybe Cowboys will be good this year, but the athletes are so competitive, not only on the field, but with knowing where to play that it's created this whole, the NFL is now the biggest it's ever been and the most popular it's ever been. It's going to Mexico. It's going to UK. All right. Well, let me, let me, let me like, take, turn that around on you. This is like, how long did it take for that to happen? How long did it take for that social change understanding to happen to almost four decades? You said it started in yeah. eight or three decades, right? From VHS we, to we streaming. We can't be that, antsy about this technology taking adoption and, and having a social social change or cultural change with adopting it. It takes a long time and the technology is really new. So when people get really upset that people don't understand this stuff or accept it automatically, it's because we're so early in that adoption curve. Even your like that example, which is a great example of 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 understanding the system and then playing within it, it takes a long time for that type of stuff to catch on and be part of the norm. And mm-hmm. we can't expect that norm to be here yet because we haven't a lot, haven't had haven't had that much time to figure out how it works. So we got to educate these artists. Step one. Yeah. Right? Totally. I mean, education is huge, right? It's, it's even myself, right? I I've, I think I found Bitcoin for the first time in tw- 2010, right? Um, mined half of Bitcoin. It was worth two hundredths of a penny. I was like, well, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> like what the hell am I going to do with this right I have two hundreds of a penny that's literally useless 
So, uh, you know, I forgot about it for a year or so, but damn, I mean, if, <laughs> yeah, right. Like five years later and I feel like we're still learning new things about this and, and new ways to do things and the, the education won't stop. And, you know, it's funny you were saying about the eighties. I always wonder if, uh, in like the sixties and seventies when SQL, like the database language was created, mm-hmm. you know, if people were running around trying to have SQL conferences all over the place. <laughs> we're super excited about SQL and, you know, <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a that's a good one too. That's everything. That's, yeah, having SQL SQL conferences, trying to make SQL sexy, right? Like every day, like, like what's yeah. going on? That's didn't Marcello, our our other host, he said, I think on a couple episodes ago, it's like I feel like we have a podcast. I feel like if this were 1981, we'd have a we'd have a radio show about email, and that's it. And we was trying to get everybody really excited about email, and they really had no clue what it was. They barely just got a computer like at the beginning of the year. They it's just collecting dust. So that's what. Why don't? Why doesn't the world listen to our email radio show? It's like oh, because nobody gives a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Email? What the hell is? I never even knew that at symbol was on my keyboard. What is that? What is that? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, I I um you know, we'll wrap it up here. It's been a great conversation and, and I really wanted to get the word out about Ujo music because to me it just seems like just a brilliant idea. And I know that you guys worked with Imogen and we're trying to get her back and we she's had her on back, and like it's Jan- just like she's coming back for yeah, sure. January, awesome. Like- Shout out! I mean, it's exclusive. You're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just it's important that artists know. I happen to know a little bit about the music industry's history because my my brother studies it. He's getting a degree, his PhD in it, and wow. the way the artists were treated back in like the 20s, all the way to now, all the way to now, is tremendously different. But when it first started up, man, artists had no clue. They were just like, I just really want to play my trumpet. And then like music management and, you know, the record labels and everybody in between was like, well, this guy just wants to play his trumpet. We're going to make like 95% of this money and throw him a couple dollars every now and then. Just make sure that he feels better today than he did yesterday about playing his trumpet. And we're just going to take all his money. And, you know, of course, it's gotten better. But Ujo Music really, it's like the icing on the cake of that put the power in the musician's hands, you know? Like, we're almost there, but this idea gets it there to where the musician has the power. So, hats off to you guys. Appreciate that, yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy journey, and it's not going to be a short journey or a quick journey, but, uh, you know, we just want to create more art in the world, and have more people creating more art and more people that can have their art heard and make a living from their art. So, you know, you got lieutenants in the field now over at the Bitcoin podcast. Appreciate that gentlemen. So just send us a tweet or email anytime. Well, one more, one more question. Our, our, our normal everyday ending sound off question is, can you explain blockchain in 10 words or less? 10 words or less. Um, Blockchain, um, 
Hmm. Blockchain allows trustless transactions between individuals on a global micro scale. Like if, almost... we take, if we take micro scale <laughs> to be a hyphenated word, then that was 10 words exactly. There you mm. go. Nice. <laughs> this man is feeling the flow today. All right. Yeah. Well, Jesse, it's been a pleasure. And of course, we always have open invitation, revolving door kind of status. Anytime you have any kind of major announcement and you want to make sure a healthy chunk of the crypto community gets to hear it, you know where to go. And you know you got passionate fans over here, too. Awesome, Dan. Appreciate that. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. Cool. Talk soon. And that was the interview with Jesse Grushak. I think I said that correctly. Grushak. With UdroMusic.com. I was very passionate about getting Udro Music on the show. um, Because, like I said, it puts a lot of power back. Or like what was said in the interview puts a lot of power back into the musicians' hands. And we've we've had Imogen Heap on the show to talk about Tiny Human and her project, uh, Mycelia, I believe is what it's called. Yep. And it's along the same vein. It's it's they're really it's, trying to just drop it's a same A bomb. It's literally oh, the same thing. Oh, there we go. Kaboom. Boom shakalaka. There goes I mean, the dynamite. I wasn't a part of the interview. I wasn't a part of this, so I guess my takeaway is that technology pushes the envelope and industries don't always know how to respond. And more often than not, I think the music industry is is one of the first to adopt and exploit new technologies uh, efficiently and then they profit. So you don't need copyright anymore if we have this. We don't need to worry about hiring a manager, a publicist, a producer, a marketing agency. You can just let the music speak for itself. And... I think what will be the key is getting Bitcoin savvy audiences on board. I think that's mm-hmm. that's just the big challenge. Yeah, that's. I don't that's know. I feel challenge. like I feel like it's going to be piece. It's going to be piecemeal, right? Like you build a platform like this that takes care of a lot of the like paperwork, like the the shit that no one wants to do but requires people to do it, and you have to pay those people. So it gets more efficient, but at the end of the day. Artists don't care or don't understand any of this stuff. They're not business savvy. Like half of like the the the, the mind frame it takes to be a really good artist, it doesn't intersect with being a business savvy person outside of like I don't know, '90s rappers. Yeah, but yeah, I you know you know what I mean. So like the most people who are creating art or being creative don't understand how to run a business or sell themselves or market. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to go outside of yourself to, to become a successful artist in a lot of ways. This Ujo music is probably going to make it easier. And over time you might have like the music speaks for itself and investing into the music and listening to music directly supports the, the artists. Mm-hmm. Like that becomes more and more and more, but it's a sliding scale. We'll get there slowly. People are like artists are still going to have to rely on other people to tell mm-hmm. their audience why they should listen to their music. I yeah. I want to be a part of that like so bad. I want to find new artists and flip management on its head and just say, hey, you know how usually managers take a piece of your money? I'm just going to give you money as an investment in you. You keep making that badass music 
I'm just gonna whore you out and let's let's take over the world with your music. Now I feel like a lot of people will relate to that and and want that to happen too. Like I would want to do that. That's cool. Like I, if I find an artist or I listen to an artist that I really enjoy, and I know that I can give them money and they don't have to kind of sell out in a way, mm-hmm. so that they can they can support their addiction to creating good music. Mm-hmm. Then. I'm going to continue. I feel like I'll be able to continue getting the raw artists and not something that's been kind of filtered so that diluted so that they can, they can make money while continuing to make music. Although it may not be the music they want to make. And I feel like platforms like this allow for that to happen. Yeah. And then, and then that artist can go on tour to like seven U S cities, kind of like Athena Bitcoin is in seven U S cities. What? What's the theme of Bitcoin, man? I don't know know what that is. Tell me what that is. Oh, it's just, you know, the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs. No big deal. And we just happen to be brought. Well, they're one of our sponsors. And uh, like I said, they're in seven U.S. cities. They're everywhere. Fort Worth, Dallas, Houston. And you can even download the theme of Bitcoin wallet on the app or the app store or Google Play. So if you got an iPhone or Android, boom. And you can go to athenabitcoin.com and find specific locations. So, got you guys covered. Is it a bit quick? Oh, snap. We're also brought to you by bitquick.com. <laughs> Did you know that you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours? That is nuts. That's crazy. It's secure. It's quick. Is it easy? Yeah. yeah it's easy. For sure, it's yeah. easy. Yeah. It's easy. They've been serving Bitcoin since 2013. Where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. Oh. Bitquick.co. Surprise ads, baby. Throwing them at you guys now. For all you guys used to skip the front of the episode, now you can't. You got to listen to the whole damn thing and then just get surprise, <laughs> surprise ads. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> on the, you know, on the flip side, you know, we're not just paying the bills. We actually believe in these sponsors. We're yeah. only going to have kick-ass sponsors. So yep. we're we got one coming up. We got one coming up that's I really enjoy. Yeah. I've been using their services for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and they've got interested in Bitcoin quite a bit. And yeah. go ahead, locked it down. Yeah, man, we got more sponsorships coming up because they're actually kind of beneficial, like things that we do that we like. But there's also our affiliation with Purse. Check it out. You know, I'm actually hitting up local strip clubs and seeing if I can get our listeners discounts, free touches. You know, so we're doing it for you guys. Yeah, yeah. He's going to the strip clubs for you guys. <laughs> doing, doing that for you guys. So, anyways, man. Look, it's been a great episode. We're going to wrap it up. Bitcoin's the greatest. Blockchain's come. Blockchain. Blockchain. Blockchain is coming. That's a up. new rapper's name. That is. Blockchain. Young Blocky. Um, I think I just made someone rich. <laughs> Think, <laughs> um, hey, thanks you guys for listening. It's been a great year. It's not over yet, but I feel like everybody wants 2016 to be over. They're like, fucking, let's go already. Let's get uh, everyone's off work. Everyone's not doing anything. Fucking yeah. happy holidays. Yeah, it's over. The holidays are coming around the corner. We're gonna keep giving you guys content though, because we honestly love doing this and love talking to you guys. And if you if you guys like us, you could join our Slack. We talk about things. Shout out to Elias, who's always, like, making me think way too hard in the middle of the fucking day. Like, damn, man. 
And then shout out to Ken, of course. Uh, shout out to Ken and the meetup in Philly as well. Bitcoin yeah. and Bitcoin accessories. Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. And Bitcoin. Says, a little bit. A little bit. Do you guys watch his stuff? It's good stuff, man. I watch like his shows. shows. He's got a YouTube channel. Check it out. Yep. What's, um, it called? What's it called? What is his YouTube channel called? Ken, I know you're going to listen. Tweet out your YouTube oh, channel. I'm doing it right. I'm looking at And then we're, we're, we're going to tweet that. Bitcoin with Ken Bosak. Bitcoin with Ken Bosak. I called him Bitcoin Viking sometimes. He says he doesn't you know like what, though? He never makes the light outside of his apartment, though. He never makes that light. Never. He made it one time. He ran across the street once. Bitcoin Talk with Kenneth Bosak. Yeah. What it's called. B-O-S-A-K. He was on, like, episode nine. Yeah, it's like every other day. So, well, um, we're gonna wrap this up, guys. Uh, it's been been fun. Uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana and Viola Davis and Oprah Winfrey and Sigourney Weaver. And uh, yeah, play.